Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined by my dad, Jack. That's the two generations that are here today, as most days. How you doing, Dad? I'm doing great, Todd. Are you ready uh, to be the voice of your generation? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm ready to speak for everybody. Yeah, that's Maybe right. I agree, but <laughs> <laughs> authoritatively, I shall speak for you, whether you want me yeah, to or not. Too many people want yeah. to do that. It's <laughs> it seems yeah. There's an endless line of people uh, willing to stand up in front of a TV camera and say yes. People of my age yeah. do this, or do that, or feel this way, or feel that way. Or, or I represent science. Who ever thought that would be a point of contention amongst people in the country, right? You know, yeah. I mean, think back in previous years. Nobody would have ever said, you know, that, that, the sci that, that, that we're going to have to, uh, you know, parse our scientists to understand what's going on. So. Well, well it's, it's, it's totally into scientific. Science is all about you know, lots of people working together. Right. I mean, to be honest, the the, the reality of science <laughs> is exactly that. It's a whole bunch of people with different ideas arguing their point with right. as many facts and studies and proof as, you know, and, and theorems that they have. And, you know, we never, or not never, but very often we don't have absolute proof of anything. We we go with the preponderance of evidence or the, the most likely evidence, you know. Uh, science yeah. and that and that becomes the working theory until we get something that's better, right? <laughs> that answers. And, the, the... and in fact, the, in fact, the strength of the whole system is the fact that everybody's got a questioning mind, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's willing to argue their position and their their side of it, you know. But it doesn't do you any good when you've got uh, uh, you know political uh, uh, <laughs> ideology working its way into that argument. Um, you know, yeah. from lots of different directions. I mean, you know, the uh, virtually all of our social media was, you know, picking a side and saying this is the way it's, this is this is true and and that's not true and so you can't say that because it's wrong. And then, lo and behold, later it's like, well, maybe it's not wrong. <laughs> you know, we still don't yeah. know. We, you know, I mean, it's it's you know, eh, whatever. <laughs> by, so. by the by the way, let me uh, let me give a little uh, shout out about my. Most uh, purchase that I had the last time, but we didn't actually record with it before, mm -hmm. and that's my Monitor 60, which is a audiophile headphone that I absolutely love. And uh, after a lot of misunderstanding on my part, uh, I, I finally found out that uh, what's cables to use and all with my with my microphone and the, your suggestion last time of using the big plug cable that like goes to amplifiers. Right. I, I, I use that now because the one ear, uh, the headset accepts that as an input. Right. And so I plug that into the cable and the other one into the microphone. And uh, this cable now doesn't have a mic on it, which is another plus here. Right. You I don't accidentally switch to the wrong mic. Input. You know, you want to use the good mic that you bought for right. that purpose, right? But, but, yeah, but one thing you didn't know is that it's got this kind of spring coil type of uh, wire. It's not the entire wire. But sure. It, yeah, uh, it's in the know, middle. I actually, thing, this... I actually did know that because I looked at the information online before you bought it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. That's well, why anyway, I had suggested that... you use the cord the other way because I had looked at it. So, yeah. It, it, it looks like it's uh, nearly uh, 
three, four feet long, right? Just uh, when mm -hmm. it's coiled together, but right. if you stretch that coil out, it was more than double length. Yeah, uh, I think it said know, it's supposed uh, to be like nine feet at full extension, but you know, I, with, with the amount of pressure the coil uh, makes, I'm no. <laughs> afraid you, you'd you'd be pulling things along behind you at that point. But yeah, uh, the mic mic could come off the table at that point. Yeah, so. absolutely. Anyway, but uh, the thing that the and and if people didn't, if they weren't, wasn't clear, part of the reason you wanted this is because it was a over the ear headphones with with good padding and a deep cup so you could fit your whole ear in there and specifically you've got hearing aids and you didn't want something putting any pressure on the hearing aid because that then pushes inside your ear and gets incredibly uncom right. uncomfortable and Absolutely. so these are big roomy he headphones with so a nice big pad was, yeah comfort was the first feature and uh, it's got a expandable headset so that it doesn't put a lot of pressure on my ears but keeps it enough tight enough that it's not i wouldn't say sealed but keeps out the exterior sounds yeah so i am audio isolated so nice it comes through the speaker yes and for those of you who care i use a sure brh 440m lc dual-sided broadcast headset with a boom mic and heads and over-the-ear headphones that's my uh -huh. uh, headset setup that's your setup. Uh, yeah. So and, anyway, I'm, I'm an audiophile now. I got this wonderful microphone. There, there you go. And comfortable headsets. And yeah. The microphone sits on a stand, and it's I'm very happy with it as well. Yeah, he's Although using a Blue Yeti. For your benefit. Yeah, he's using a, a Blue, Blue Yeti, Yeti, which which gives him a nice, rich sound. It's got a large diaphragm in it. It's um, a pretty standard, high you know, uh, higher-end uh, podcasting Bluetooth microphone. It's been around a while. And I'm sure they named it Yeti because it looks like something from outer space with little <laughs> legs that stand, two of them that come down either side. Yeah. And it stands the, up. The stand, yeah. It looks like one of those capsule <laughs> microphones from the 40s almost. You know, it sort of has almost a retro look to it, which is, you know, you could see like, you yeah. know, Edward R. Murrow leaning over his microphone going, and this just in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, this this thing is also uh, pretty hefty. It's a it is it's a chunk, yeah. 80, so it's good and solid. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah. so much. For I decided to just uh, lean into my bad habits, and that's why I went with the broadcast headset because it's got the boom mic on it instead of uh, using a mic on a on a boom here in my in my re recording studio. I had a bad habit of kind of leaning off to the side of the mic. To, to do things and once you get off mic then it would you would lose your you know your sound would drop way out and so by oh, yeah. going by going with a uh, a mic uh, a broadcast mic headset uh, the mic now turns with my head so so i uh yeah. i made that choice uh rather than than break my bad habit of of come you know leaning off of mic i just said i'll just make the mic lean with me so. so if somebody's so if somebody's listening in stereo, they won't know which way you're turned. You got your head turned. That's right. Yeah. Well, unless I decide to go back <laughs> in and pan it right to left, if I could remember when I actually was doing something, you know, I could go back in and pan <laughs> my sound from right to left. But uh, that's way too much work. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to have to edit anything. So. Um, Yep. Anyway, we've got some tech stuff to talk about. Uh, we found actually a, a few things that were out there. Um, I sent something on Friday and I don't know if you remember what, it, if you remember it or saw it in your, in your adding to the list of stuff today, 
But uh, in late January, a geothermal power startup began conducting an experiment out in the deserts of Nevada. And essentially what they're doing is pumping um, uh, water thousands of feet underground and holding it there and watching to see what happens. And essentially what they're finding is, is if you go deep enough, that the uh, geothermal energy will, will keep the water hot and that they can use that sort of as a battery, essentially. Um, and then they can pump the water back up to then use it to, um, uh, with some refrigerant liquids to then generate, uh, vapors and turn turbines and generate electricity. Um, now what I found interesting about that article is that, uh, they actually put high pressure into that and then mm -hmm. for an hour or more, it actually uh, gushes back up out of the ground mm -hmm. once it's stored and heated down below. Now, of course, the heating of the water it causes it to expand and put, create some steam to, mm -hmm. to help uh, propel it. But uh, uh, but by putting pressure, they know they have a uh, a container under the ground, if you will, a certain mm -hmm. area that it can't get out of. Right. And that seemed to be a part of of this, and so which takes a certain amount of luck. I mean, you know, you can't just go build a... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got to have a geologist that says that you have the right kind of, of uh, ground material, right? right? I mean, you can't just do this yeah. out in, like, the, the sand dunes somewhere. Your water all and leak away. And and so as, uh, as a proposition for doing uh, something, you know, in other places, that's a significant constraint, I believe. Uh, yeah. You know, they're in a specific, specifically fold in the fault uh, where it created the right conditions for this, but yet sort of wanted to imply that, yeah, they could do this, you know, other places. But right. How many places is questionable. Yeah, and that remains to be seen as to how many places, you know, I mean, is it just a matter of how deep you have to go down in order to find a location that is sufficient for this to work? Or or do you have to have, does it ha have to be a fairly unique uh, geological uh, location, you know? So, But anyway, it was a significant uh, undertaking, and uh, mm -hmm. they've been successful, and they've got at least uh, one or more sites, but, but hand... Uh, no more than a handful, you know, yeah. of uh, holes that uh, make this work. Actually, they make two holes for each site. Right. Uh, I, assu I assume that's so that they can put the water in one way and come out the other, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure, sure that maybe I interpret that wrong. Yeah, who knows? Anyway. Uh, it, it could be also a um, uh, an emergency you know, break, like if the pressure starts coming out of one hole too much that, then and, and their valves aren't working for some reason then their emergency is to open up the other one to release pressure so yeah you know or it could serve both purposes right one's an in one's an out and, and it's also a backup who knows yeah uh, they don't <laughs> go into that much detail i just thought it was interesting you know we've kind of had this running theme on on energy energy storage and uh um, and energy generation and so uh anytime i run across a story where they're doing something interesting and novel uh, I'd like to share it and talk a little bit about it. And I thought this yeah. was kind of a neat idea, you know, uh, to yeah. uh, another way of kind of like like we've been saying is to store energy because they said that it continued to come out uh, come out at a higher pressure than expected for hours. You know, now what is hours? Yeah. You know, two hours, 12 hours, uh, somewhere yeah. in between. But what's cool about that is, is that you could, you know, 
basically put that energy down into the ground using, you know, you could take solar energy to, 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 to pump the water down, right? And then through the yeah. evening, at night then, then have it come back up to run the turbines. So then you don't have the problem with solar energy that only works during the day because you're storing some of that energy, you know, as pressurized water in the ground. Right. So. One of the things that occurred to me while I was reading this article is that uh, for a long time I've, I've sort of thought about the potential energy of raising and lowering weights or water or whatever. Right. And given given that the air turbine systems are elevated quite a bit, that if they built them uh, with that in mind, they might have an energy storage device to be built right with the structure mm -hmm. that uh, elevated the, uh, the, the fans or the pro propellers right. to the... Right or a uh, you know elevation. Yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't expect you could put too much weight on the current ones, the poles, because they weren't designed to do that. Right. But if you balanced it, you might might be surprising just how much you could put on there. Sure. But anytime you can raise weights when you're when people aren't consuming the the power. Right. Uh, because you know the the thing about the uh, uh, wind energy sources is it's it's use it right now or lose it. You know. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like it works turning, but... like solar. You know, when the when the sun's shining or the wind's blowing, you've got power. But if either of those things stop, then that particular system just stops. So, yeah, yeah but you're right. It makes sense. I mean, you know, they have to build a tower. To, I mean, some of these these uh, uh, windmill things, the 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 blades are you know, a hundred hundred and fifty meters across. So I mean they're they have to be on a big yeah. tower so the blades don't hit the ground. So these things are huge, right? So Yeah, so maybe it's not a matter of mm -hmm. uh, of a one tower per each propeller too, but I'm just thinking that if they put one large mm -hmm. uh, lift and and lower device out within a, a bunch of right of, uh, wind propellers that might be able to do that know. although if they did it per propeller they could do it with very little loss of energy because they could literally have the spinning motion of the propeller you know pull the cable up right right i mean there could you yeah. might have to have some gearing and stuff in order to get the the balance of the amount of weight and the, and the power of the propeller the you know to correct but but it's it's almost like a yo-yo i mean it's mechanical you pull it up um and you know, it's it. There, you're not. I, I suspect. I suspect that you can do that uh, with just with an electric uh, motor generator set. Uh, uh huh. But but wouldn't there be as, a lot of as, energy loss if you took the electricity from the blade and then used an electric motor to lift the weight? Whereas if you just mechanically lifted the weight from the spinning of the blades, um, I guess just friction loss. Yeah, then yeah. it's just friction loss, which you know you're going to lose you're a certain amount of friction anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. I would be I think it's an interesting idea and if anybody hasn't tried it, they should. And when you think about mm -hmm. it, again like a yo-yo, when the weight hits the bottom, it doesn't have to stop. It yeah. can, you well, know, that you could have a big yeah. flywheel at the top, right? And as it goes down, it spins the flywheel, the weight of the flywheel then pulls it back up so that weight keeps bouncing and going for quite a while. You know, and then you set your generator off the weight of the flywheel. So you have this very heavy thing spinning as well. Yeah, but, but now you're a, talking a pretty beefy tower. <laughs> yeah, and, and and a similar thing would work with uh, sun's sun's uh, powered. Right. You know, 
Yeah, those you'd have well. to use. Yeah, you'd have to use the electricity and an electric motor to lift the, the weight initially, right? Um, yeah, that, you know. So anyway, uh, both both of those cases, I'm sure somebody has already done some simulation work to figure out what are the yeah. uh, what is the real merits of the case. So I just say a big study uh, should have been done if it's not already been done. Yeah. Kind of see what the feasibility of such a thing is. So, but anyway, it's uh, it's always interesting and fun to think about different sources of, mm-hmm. of ways to do things when you have something that might go to waste unless you capture it, you know, that energy. Yeah. And so what, whatever ways there are, they all end up being called batteries these days, regardless of how they're constructed. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, battery is energy storage. How you do it is totally up to you, right? Right. Yeah. And and it's um, kind of interesting to see all the concepts that, that have been written about already. Mm-hmm. I'm still <clears throat> intrigued by the sand battery that they were talking about. Was it uh, somewhere up in the Scandinavian area? I don't remember which country it was. I don't remember. The, maybe Finland. But uh, um, that I thought was pretty interesting because the battery itself didn't look that big. I mean, it looked like a, a silo that was maybe 25, 30 feet high, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe 15 feet in diameter. And, yep. you know, so it just didn't physically look that large for the amount of energy they said that it was storing. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. Yep. It's very possible, though, too, that was the top part of it, that it might have been excavated down into the ground and was actually physically larger than that. But um, but I just yeah. thought that was pretty interesting, that they were storing heat in sand and that there was yeah. enough of it there that they were able to power homes with, you know, with the energy. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frankly, if, if, says, if that works, you, you think there should be some way to tap into, like, you know, the dunes. You know, think about, like, um, um, the dunes in uh, in New Mexico, right, the white sands. They've got these giant sand dunes. In the summer, those heat up. They should be able to, you know, even after the sun goes down, that sand retains that heat. They should be able to to, yeah. uh, to tie into that better. Yep. Of course, of course, yep. it's white sand, so it doesn't collect the heat as much as 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 you know a black sand beach would, right? Like in Hawaii. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, while we're on the subject of batteries, the next things down was a uh, lithium-ion uh, uh, type type of battery, but you know those just as lithium currently is being used, the batteries are too expensive. So now they're talking about, uh, I think it's Ford that jumped into it uh, by building a factory to make affordable lithium ferrous phosphate batteries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, apparently there's quite a significant savings here. The company that's interested in doing this is, uh, is a guy that was part of the, am I mixing up two things? Anyway, a guy used to work for Tesla in the development of their batteries, mm-hmm. has his own company now that's into basically recovering, uh, I think I'm mixing up two articles here, uh, recovering the, the uh, useful material out of the old batteries so that ultimately they get to be a, a cycle where you're reusing the right. expensive stuff that you had to mine just by having a, several recovery companies uh, getting stuff from the older batteries. Now, we haven't reached uh, the... Uh, any significant milestone yet because there haven't been enough, you know, batteries that have come to end of life yet. 
but he, in anticipation of that, this guy knows that, that uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of batteries that uh, would otherwise just go to the dump, and you, you hate to throw away ex stuff that was expensive to mine and sure. if you can get it out and reuse it. Yeah, if you can extract so, it and, and, and uh, purify it back to the state that it was in when they created the batteries, that's probably, and especially as the prices are going up, cheaper, not to mention more right. earth-friendly than having to mine brand new stuff. Uh, and, right. and, and, a, and a lot of that stuff is very you, rare and only in a few places. Yeah, and, and that's why they want to go, to, at least the article that I've got up in front of me here, they want to go to this lithium ferrous phosphate, LFP mm -hmm. batteries. And a lot of people think this is a really good thing, specifically uh, Ford's partner in China, CATL. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been cooperating with them uh, to build this battery. But anyway, Ford's putting millions of dollars into building a plant to make these kinds of batteries now. So obviously they're putting a lot on the line. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and it's interesting uh, to say that they're, you know, they're planning on build, they're building a plant to make these, meaning that this is not a theoretically better battery. This is a battery right. that they can make and it does work and it's, uh, you know, less expensive for similar yeah. production uh, capabilities. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Tesla uses uh, batteries that also include nickel and cobalt, which are the really expensive part. And this battery right. won't use the, those kind of metals. Right. Uh, and and uh, uh, one of the advantages of the batteries Tesla has currently is that uh, batteries are smaller and lighter than and can store that can store the same amount of energy. Right. But uh, uh the, the this new battery has a cathode type that has risen to prominence partly because it has high energy density. That's the key to any battery, mm -hmm. uh, and and also they're smaller and lighter as well. So anyway, uh, I'm I'm saying lighter compared to other options that people have looked at. Yeah. You know, well, so and traditionally they would always they would compare them to like lead acid batteries, which is your what your current car battery is. Right, so compare the weight but, of those, which you know are seventy pounds, some of them, to uh, yeah. you know the same amount of energy in a lithium-ion battery weighs a fraction of that. Anyway, the iron called or containing batteries tend to be about twenty percent cheaper than other lithium batteries with the same capacity. Mm -hmm. So there's the real reason for for developing these. Yeah. Things. No, that's a significant advantage if you, you can put batteries into your electric vehicles that are 20% less expensive than your competitors, right? So there's there's a reason yeah. to be investing in that. Yeah, absolutely. Save costs so I, I always, and, uh, and don't pass it, it on to the consumer, right? Charge just as much for your vehicle so you make more money. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's right. <laughs> yep. This is a com com competitive environment. And so I expect the next three to five years to be, a, there'll be a lot of fallout. There'll be people yeah. dropping out starting three years out from now. And, yeah. and they just keep, keep coming down to those who have the best battery technology. That's what drives this whole thing. Yeah. With EVs. Well, especially and, if you can and, lock in your battery technology, like if you can, you know, if it's, if it's unique to you, right? So the other guys can't yeah. use that technology. Although I will be, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, it's sort of like a lot like pharmaceuticals, too, where, you know, pharmaceuticals will patent a certain drug and then, 
you know, their competition won't be able to use that, but they'll look at that and they'll say, well, we'll just do a variation of that. And it's not the same chemical compound, but it's close. And so, you know, you'll probably start doing, seeing the same kind of things happening in batteries. They'll have similar chemistry, maybe not exactly the same, um, you know, and then Mm -hmm. they'll all make claims about what's better about their, their battery versus the other guy. Um, those are the kind of yep. things that are almost impossible to protect completely, you know, from uh, your competition from using it. But, uh, yeah. So, and, and in this same article where they're talking about these iron batteries or containing iron, they talk about uh, manganese apparently is also a material that uh, the iron containing batteries could be have boosted efficiencies, keeping the cost low. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's variations of all of this. There or just trial period, uh, but you know they're going to start building yeah. some of them. And I I noticed that uh, in the, maybe the past month, I don't see too much about uh, uh, the uh, batteries that Elon Musk has been building because he has several battery factories. Right. And I suspect I suspect that he understands that he's he's going to have some competition, and he's oh, you can't just change the easily change the recipe sometimes depending on how the batteries are constructed and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So he's probably in a transition period of where he's going to change over at yeah. least. You he's know, trying some to he's their... trying to figure out what the winner is going to be. You know. Yep. I they think all that's are. I they yeah well everybody yeah he, he's not alone in that. Um, I suspect yeah. also, and this is just my my suspicious side is that because of his his relationship with the press based on his acquisition of Twitter which was largely a a platform that was used by the press you know a lot, almost, mm-hmm. almost every news person was on is, is and was on Twitter um, that he that he's burnt some bridges there and so I don't think they're covering him as much I think they're just saying, you know, we're going to ignore him. The worst, the worst thing we can do to him is just not pay any attention to him, and uh, <laughs> and so I think that's kind of what they're doing. I, you're not, you, I, you don't see as many stories about Elon Musk because I think a lot of the news media is not happy with Elon Musk, and so they've just decided. anybody, anybody that is in the news too much gets old. People get tired of him. That's that true. Was based, that was one of the major faults that Trump had. Yeah, he was out there too much all the time. Now it's just the opposite with Biden. You don't you don't even know what's going on there. Yeah. You know? But still, you can get overexposed. I don't care what industry yeah. you're in. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as many people have said, Biden largely was elected because he was the anti-Trump. You know, <laughs> and it's like I yeah. think you know we were just at presidential fatigue. People, Americans want to know about their president, but they don't want to hear him all the time. And and we just yeah. you know, I think there was a lot of overload there. Um, you know, and it's not like you said, it's, it goes in cycles. It goes in cycles. Yep. And so uh, the, and that's part of what the, uh, you know, the news media, because they are a for profit business, they keep their pulse on whether people are paying attention. Right. And at some point when they keep doing the same stories because that kept bringing people back, they find that it's not bringing people back anymore. And so what new story, yep. you know, talk about something else for a while. So. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, this isn't uh, uh, Generation Media, so let's move on to something else. You have a yeah. story about Spotify. But, oh, I, you jumped ahead on me, but uh, Oh, I'm right. sorry. Well, that was the next one up, wasn't it? 
Oh, I was going down from the top. <laughs> oh, I was too. I, I guess I missed some of these. They didn't. It's interesting. Some of them didn't show up as uh, as um, on my thing. That the link looks different. So you have stuff on on uh, anyway, AirPods there were, there were and three. paper screens there, and. There were three in a row that had to do with uh, software. Right, programming stuff. Quickly tell tell you why I put those in there. Rust is a relatively new thing, but new only from the standpoint of that that they came along just before the COVID thing, and so they had a couple years of quiet, <laughs> and uh, basically a setback, uh, briefly. But it's a a really fascinating system language that uh, a lot of people, uh, Google's and Microsoft's of the world, uh, that think have a potential, you know, big future. Uh-huh. And in fact, uh, well, Amazon is a big booster. Uh, and I also put in the Swift programming language, which is about five years older, but significantly more mature in the sense that it has been on uh, not just, it, well, it it's, was developed by Apple, and it didn't take very long. And uh, the Linux people jumped on uh, board a, a year after uh Apple had uh, developed it, and it became available for Linux systems. Mm -hmm. Now, the important thing about Linux is that their operating system has to be built in the language that they choose. So they transitioned to Linux systems based on Swift, and they've been really happy with that. And I think they might jump on the Rust bandwagon at some point, because there's there's just these improvements in the language have to do with uh, lots of different nitty-gritty detail things that mm-hmm. most people don't think about, but like memory management is a big issue with any kind of a compiler, how and and how to help you help to help the programmer avoid uh, errors that can pop up later in the history of the software. And man, mm-hmm. every company who sells something or computer parts that uh, depend on software. Uh, really care about that because they yeah. don't want maintenance of an installed all... base is important. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I kind of made the comment that uh, at least at this point, uh, Rust has finally put out what they call their first stable edition. And I thought, well, that's a little early to be jumping on that bandwagon, even though right. it's got some really good, good features. But if you were to get on board today, uh, Swift is probably, in my view, for at least an Apple and Unix world. But oh, by the way, Microsoft does have it now. They they run. You can do Swift programming on the on right Windows. Yeah, well, being uh, they they open sourced it when when Apple released it, they open sourced it so that the idea was is like you know anybody can go out and build compilers to to you know deal with the the Swift language, so you can put it in lots of different places. That, you know, they didn't right. want it to be something that was just their platforms, and so they've they've branched out. Because you know, there's a lot of programmers who would go like, "Well, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time learning something if it means that I'm stuck working just on this platform. It limits their their um, growth potential and 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 their hireability." By the way, just as an yeah. FYI, Rust was officially released or first released in April of of 2015, and Swift yeah. was released in June of 2014. They're almost the same age. Uh, well, uh, except that Swift had rapid adoption. Well, that's because Apple, well, that's, and that's, that's exactly it. Apple's the one who basically initially launched it. And, 
uh, yeah. and and Rust was very much influenced by Swift. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So they're they're not all, all of these guys build on the previous. Oh sure. Versions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, programmers go, hey, this really works well on that, so let's steal that idea and put that into this new language that we're building. So and, and the protections that are provided by Rust are significant mm-hmm. over, over uh, what Swift offers. Right. So it's it's where that language development is going. Yeah. So that's what got my attention to begin with. Uh, but the fact that it hasn't really uh, had much use uh, in production work yet because the first stable version is out. I think it said yesterday when I was actually looking at the article. Yeah, March 9th, 2023 is the current stable yeah. release. So four days ago. So, But that yeah. also tells you that they're working on it and new releases are coming out all the time. You know, oh, this, yeah. is, re- this is release 1.68.0 that was released, you know, on March 9th. And today's, what, the 13th? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have programmed in lots of languages, starting from machine language and basic, you know, uh, assembly languages and, and C and stuff like that over my career and all the way up to and including Fortran, which is actually where I started because mm-hmm. that was the engineering or technical language mm-hmm. at the time I first uh, got my degree. And, uh, uh, that, and so there was always been, you know, uh, multiple languages like COBOL. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. COBOL was the business language. COBOL, so. yeah, ran on was big on IBM uh, business machines. Right. Uh, but they, they, they generally try to address the specific groups, but there's general features of the, all the languages that are shared. And as these developmental languages, shall we call Rust and, and, and Swift, which are more uh, a lower level language, they all sort of evolved out of C which has been was around when I was still working mm-hmm. and programmed in. Yeah, C. well, C was core to Unix and yeah. its rise. So, right, yeah, that was that's how Unix got started. Right, right, and Linux uh, being sort of a Unix ripoff was also very C oriented. Yep. And 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 forgive yep. me, Linux Linux people out there who are going to go, it's not a ripoff, it's totally, you know, it's to, yes, it's its own thing, but it was based very much on Linux was was something that a lot of people used because they couldn't afford the licensing for Unix because Unix was expensive. You know, you could get Linux yeah. for free. Yep. Well, anyway, yeah. the languages continue to evolve, and so it's always been interesting to me. It's my first sort of uh, dipping my toe back into the yeah. uh, seeing what's going on in that world. Uh, and of course, there are other more uh, languages of mm-hmm. these the ilk, uh, but they're more folk that are most most focused on the internet, which of course has come a long uh, ways since uh, sure. since I've been. Uh, I mean, I was around when it was first uh, introduced. In fact, uh, we had one of the first. Uh, uh, internet terminals in our TRW office. Mm-hmm. You, you had to go down to this one room to use this terminal <laughs> to kind of get a flavor yeah. of it. And that was, that a was, computer uh, that was connected outside of the office. Imagine that. that it's funny. Right. It's hard to think of it today, but that, that was a thing. You know, I mean, you, there, were, there were networked computers inside offices, but you yeah. didn't connect anything outside the office. You could, you know, move things between computers you know, down the hall well, or to the printer. That's, 
Yeah, that's where the WWW came from. It was called the World Wide Web in those right. days to emphasize the fact that this this network is not, you know, your local area network. Yeah, as they as they call the internal one. Yeah. Uh, there well, were large debates anyway. amongst people who manage networks within buildings, corporate networks, about the you know the, almost a panic level about like we, we can't attach our network to the world outside. This would be terrible. You know, and other people yeah, going, this will be the best thing ever. We can attach to computers all over the place and send files across the country. But I think a lot well, of them did I'll it the you way what. you were talking about it, though, is they, they would have an internal network and then they have a, an isolated machine that was not on the internal network that was attached to the web. And you could send things across yeah. that way. And then if you needed it on your computer, you'd put it off onto a disk and carry it over to your computer and put it on. Yeah. It's like we're not yeah, attaching I, our I whole network. Yeah, I wrote a paper... Uh, and then as a result of that uh, paper, I went. I was invited to the Pentagon to give a, a briefing as to what I was mm -hmm. uh, saying. And I was warning about non-judicious choices uh, of connecting local area networks to the World Wide Web. Imagine and that. Because how you, how you do that means a lot if you've got any kind of stuff that can compromise your mission. Right. Okay, and so I was having been a security guy, and that was my business at that time in the Air Force. Uh, I wanted to spread the word that uh, we wanted to be sure that our customers weren't compromising, uh, you know, classified information specifically. Right. But even more, more than that, uh, in general, uh, technology efforts. And, of course, we now know that what I was warning against is, has had massive losses to China and other countries who want to steal yeah. uh, stuff we've developed. You know? Yeah. Yeah. As uh, we've moved into an era where virtually every computer is online, every computer is now an entry point into information that you may or may not want to be sharing with the world. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I was kind of like the uh, uh, St. John the, Gospel, the Apostle. Yeah, announcing Christ coming, you know, is there's there's uh, get the word out, but it never it never spreads fast enough because there was no World Wide Web to spread the message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it was in its infancy. So yeah, I'll, anyway. although the the parallel there is, is a little bit of a delusion of grandeur. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> you you were definitely proselytizing the idea of hey, let's be secure That's as we start I mean. to branch out onto this network. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying, trying to say, you know. Yeah, painting a picture. I get it. it. <laughs> just giving you a hard time. <laughs> yes, I, I, I get it. Yeah, you want us to call you Saint Jack from now on. I get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Yeah, no, that's anyway. funny, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting stuff. Where what's going on? It's it's nice to see that there's people thinking about you know development languages and how things are put together and ways to do it that that make it more uh, maintainable and less error prone from the get-go and you know and and so the the gist yep. is is that in the long run you know we, we, over time we're going to see more reliable first releases of products and more easily updated and fixed products um, because yep. because the languages that they were written in are designed to allow for that in ways that that some of their predecessor languages did not. 
Um, you know, yeah. I've listened to some other podcasts where developers have talked about the fact that, you know, they've got uh, legacy code that was written in C and that, you know, while they're not like motivated to go and rewrite everything, they are starting to rewrite parts of it. And that when they do write new parts of it or when they're doing updates, very often they're saying, well, let's take this opportunity. If we're going to change this section of the code to do something new or different, let's do it in in Swift or in Rust, you know, so that it's something that is, um, you know, eventually the, the, the entire you know, code base will get switched over. Well, there may be some core pieces of it that you're just going to say, I'm never going to rewrite that. There's no reason to, it works. It's rock solid. But, uh, but you know, it's not like, yeah. like you have to have uh, a monolithic block of code. That's all one language or another anymore either. You know, you, things right. are done modularly for the most part, you know, by design. Right. By, by the way, it's it's a, a not as complicated as too many people like to think it in changing from one language to another. Mm -hmm. I've done it uh, more more than once, and that is what I call a translator. It's strictly a literal replacement of code chunks with right. code chunks from the new language, mm -hmm. and and so that's obviously a very crude thing to do, but you can make it uh, pretty dang good, and you can do it. You know, right. in a very short period of time to build the translator and then to actually go through the compiler. And what they've done in all these new languages is the compilers have error checks on the code sure. itself. So you could do this translation, run it through the compiler, and you'll immediately get a whole bunch of things that will tell you that this is an error-prone uh, feature or this code right in here and right. point to the actual lines of code that, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, that are at fault. The the issue with that is is that very often the the literal translation from one code language to another is not necessarily taking advantages of the features in the new language, and so what's the point in doing it? You know, if you've got a function that works perfectly well in C, then leave that alone and start building the new stuff in the new language. You know, and and you may never have to change that C. You know, it compiles, it runs, it works fine. You give it, you give it. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you feed it inputs and it feeds you outputs and all is well, right? You know, but I'm it, telling you that with, with not too much effort, you can learn a lot about what, what leaks what leaks you have mm -hmm. in the old code. It's it just as a, oh, as yeah. a study tool, if nothing else. Oh, right, right. You know? I see what you're saying, yeah. Although, quite frankly, newer modern compilers for some of the old code, you know, you could run it through, uh, uh, you know, leave it in the same language that it's in just run it through a more modern compiler if it was if it's really old and and you'll oh, yeah. get the same kind of of uh checks and stuff you know and yeah. that the, my assumption was that you had a piece of solid code that wasn't giving you any problems and so it's like well there's no real reason to rewrite that but certainly do the new stuff in taking advantage of the newer uh you know functions but, and capabilities of the newer languages yeah, but, so. but what I'm telling you is is the error detection features of right. these new languages will sometimes tell you something that you didn't know that you you know as you said was an assumption. Right. What we really want to do ultimately is to get to a language where uh, there are no assumptions that are hazardous. Right. You know, we can identify today all the kinds of different 
mostly what yeah. they call memory storage uh, uh, management. Right. Memory I was going to say, I, I was say yeah, there's been all kinds of like weird little memory leaks and stuff in software over the years where, where you know, you, they, the app works great, but if you let it run for a couple hours, then something happens. And you're like, why? And it's like, because there's something being stored somewhere that is getting overwritten if you let it sit long enough, you know? <laughs> Yep. And yep. you're like, where is it? What is it? I don't know. Well, and, and, yeah. and, and in languages like C or even C++, uh, they, they don't even check to see that you're, right. you're overwriting something, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, on uh, you, which yep. which is one of the nice things about some of the newer, uh, uh, you know, uh, Information compilers. management tools, the compilers, as well as the the language structures, are changed. You know, so sometimes a word for word translation yeah. is not you know taking advantage of some of the capabilities. The other thing in switching from one language to another is not not always so much the language, because let's face it, a lot of the um, the basic structures of languages is like okay, we're changing the syntax, but it's there's only so many different structures you're dealing with. It's learning mm -hmm. the libraries that have been written to go along with that, you know, and how to use those. Because, oh, yes. you know, within your development environment, you've got to figure out, well, what do these libraries do and how do they work and how do you interact with them and use them as tools? Um, you know, because yeah. let's face it, that's a, a lot of programming these days is not, you know, you're not writing everything from scratch. You're using code libraries and and right. your your knowledge of what those libraries are and what they do has a lot to do with how efficient you can be in putting something together. And so switching in, yeah. in switching languages is very often learning a lot of those those sort of secondary pieces, right? It's not just the language, but all the Absolutely. stuff that goes with it uh, to be efficient and effective at it. So. Yeah. In fact, if you if you read the, those articles that I had on Rust, particularly mm -hmm. the one that surveyed the uh, the libraries, mm -hmm. uh, you really see that a lot there's a lot more detail uh, regarding every variable and uh, constant that you use in the program uh, regarding the length, how many bits of code to use. Mm -hmm. uh, see, in the past, you had one fixed length. If it was a 16-bit computer, you know, it was, everything was 16 bits regardless of whether it needed that or not. You know? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, a you big part of the efficiency is, is that, you can, that you can process much smaller chunks of code and do it safer. You know, uh, yeah, just just seems like minor things, but you've got to be a lot more knowledgeable uh, of and, and have a language that's flexible enough to handle some mm -hmm. of these things. If if you're doing it in machine language, you can do all kinds of stuff. But oh man, talk about danger! Everything is up to you to know right. about faults that can occur. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can damage stuff quickly. You know, I think too. You know, a, a lot of that has come about because of mobile computing. You know, whether it be on uh, tablets or phones, but uh, mobile computing. You're living in. You know, we went from from uh, very constrained to almost unconstrained to now back to a constrained use of of memory and uh, and throughput. You know, and as time's going by, we're getting faster and faster and more and more available and, and, and access to all, you know, constant online data. So throughput, uh, Internet connections and stuff is not so bad. But let's face it, a lot of your handheld devices are still somewhat memory constrained. You know, they're not as much as they used to be or they're more than they used to be. But the operating system takes up more now, too. So, uh, you know, there's limitations yeah. there. You know, I mean, yeah. early smartphones basically didn't do any background processing at all 
And in the Apple world, they do it, but it's very controlled by the operating system in order to manage battery life. Um, you know, yeah. if you if you're building something for uh, for Android, it's more up to the developer. So you know, you could have a rogue app that eats up all your battery life. Um, yeah. In fact, you know, I was thinking, uh, can you imagine what the total number of usable or in use uh, iOS systems there are today? Uh, meaning the phone, iPhone systems, not yeah. iPad, just iOS. That mm -hmm. uh, uh, compare that to what in the past used to be the leader, which was uh, Win Microsoft Windows OS, you know? That was, you know, in the business world, big, and uh, it, of course it spread out beyond just business. But, uh, but it didn't. Computers had nowhere close to the market size that phones have. You know, yeah. Because computers were always more expensive. Yeah, uh, I mean, phones have basically so, become a one-to-one. -one, you know, uh, some people have two, but for the most part, one person, one phone, and they're almost indispensable. You know. And it's yeah, it's, now, it's I, crazy. And out of the eight, out of the eight billion people in the world, I think that's the number today, mm -hmm. uh, somewhere around eight billion. I don't know what percentage of that, but maybe over fifty percent probably uh, have phones. I'd guess. Yeah. Now the percentage uh, of those that are actually Apple phones is significantly lower than the total number of phones because outside of the U.S. there are. Uh, lots and lots of people who use inexpensive Android phones. I think Apple right. phones tend to be inspirational for a lot of aspirational for a lot of people, rather. Um, right. Like in the United, it says here's the percentage of iOS operating systems in the world's major markets. iOS is 63% in Japan, 59% in the United States, 45% in the UK, 25% in Germany, and 20% in China. So, so that means uh, 80% oh, of the phones in China and 75% of the phones in Germany are not iOS phones. And in yeah. 2022, uh, there were 1.8 billion actively operating iOS devices. Uh, okay, 1.8. Yeah, and so, so just shy of 2 billion. So what, we're saying that's about 20%, 25%? Something of the, like that. Of the entire planet. Yep. That's pretty impressive. I think that's what it said. That's yeah. pretty impressive. You know? I mean, yeah. let's face it. They say that there's about 2 billion Facebook users. So there's 2 billion people using Facebook for free. And Apple talk, talked almost that many people into spending several hundreds of dollars for a phone. And so in some cases... that's Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can get Facebook on an Android phone. They'll give it to you for free. Um, yep. So... Anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's fascinating when you think about these numbers. I'm trying to see where the um, where that those numbers came from. I just found a website that tells me all this stuff, and it sort of breaks them down through the uh, through different years. Like 2007 was the original iPhone. The iPhone 3G came out in 2008. The 3GS was 2009. The iPhone 4, which was the first one with the flat sides. And the glass back was 2010. The 4S updated that. And that, I think the 4S, or halfway between the 4 and the 4S, I think mid-year is when they introduced Verizon. Because up to then it was only available on AT&T in the U.S. Because mm. it was on the iPhone 4. iPhone 5, one of my favorite phones ever, was 2012. 
Um, and then they did the 5S and 5C in 2013. The 6 is the first one that had the big, the bigger screens. They went to the, well. The five was bigger than the original phones because the original, remember, was only three and a half inch phone, uh, screen, and the five went to mm-hmm. a more rectangular, like four inch screen, and then the six and six plus was the, you know, the big ones. The six plus was that big, giant screen. I had one of those, and I remember, I got it real early on, and I was coaching at a swim meet, and I had parents coming over to me going, "Oh, is that the new iPhone?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, yes, it is." <laughs> iPhone yeah. 7, another one of my favorite phones. The iPhone 7 was the first one that didn't have a button. The button was there, but they faked the button by having a little thump on it, you know, so it wasn't an actual button. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I loved that phone. I didn't replace it until the iPhone 11. Um, but uh, when I get, did replace it, I gave it to one of my daughters, and it was I almost, it was sad. I didn't want to give it away. You know, it was like I liked yeah. that phone so much. You've had a lot more phones than, than me. I, yeah. I seem to change about every fifth revision yeah. somewhere in that order because uh, I think I went from a 5 to the 10, right? roughly, or, or 6 to the 10. I don't remember what it was I had then. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, I think anyway, you had a 6, I same as mom's. the other day, I, I was at your sister's house, and uh, watched staying with the boys in yesterday afternoon, and my phone needed a charger, and lo and behold, uh, not a charger in their house that had the lightning connector. They have all all have current phones, which apparently use the uh, uh, USB C. No, uh, they I don't. The they do not. Unless unless if they're iPhones, they do not use USB C. No iPhone uses USB C. Now. Well, is if it they Android have, then? if they have, no, well, they either have Android or they, uh, if they're newer phones, they will uh, charge via the Qi charger. So you can set it on the charging pad, and so they may have gone no. to that and gotten rid of all the no, wires. No, no, they ha- they they have these little little plugs that look to me like USB C. Well, then they've either gone a lot, to a lot of them. Yeah, they used to be iPhones. I haven't talked to my sister in a while. As far as I so, know, when uh, I text her, she's still uh, she's still a blue bubble. Sure looked like a, a USB, I mean an iPhone to me the mm-hmm. other night because we were we were on the phone. By the way, she called Danny and Darlene in Texas uh, <laughs> while we were there. Yeah, and had a good time talking to them. So I I had her phone in my hand and I didn't look any different in mine. Got all the icons and stuff, so I think it's a yeah. IPhone. Well, I was gonna say last time I texted her was uh, about a month ago, and she was still a blue bubble at that point in time. So I don't know what it is, but they they do not have USB C connectors on any they don't iPhones. Have lightning either. Yeah, they, they do. Lightning. All current all current phones and every iPhone that's been made since they switched to Lightning is Lightning. So I don't know what they're I I don't know what they're doing, but everything is lightning. Now, I will tell you that she does have an Android tablet that she uses for work that's USB C. So she may have USB C chargers around the house for that. Yeah, it could be. And maybe that's what you hmm. grabbed thinking. Well, I did know. I couldn't find a I couldn't find a, a lightning, so I went out to the car, uh-huh. plugged mine into the car and not remembering that oh, it's not on unless the car uh, uh, accessories is on, so I didn't gain anything. <laughs> well, did so, you think about the wild and crazy idea of saying, "Hey, where can I plug in my phone?" and ask them because then they could have told you. 
Well, by then there were all kinds of other stuff that came up. You know, they they invited us. Right. They invited us for dinner last night. So, anyway, had a great great steak last night. Yeah. Man, Brian loves to try new things, and uh-huh. man, he fixed this. He fixed the most wonderful steak that I've ever had. I picked my uh, daughter up yesterday after her seminar in Long Beach, and so we went to Bubba Gump Shrimp. Ah, uh, Bubba Gump. Yeah. Yeah, I knew there was. Where Where do you have a Bubba Gump near you? In Long Beach. That's what I started the process. Oh. I, I the beginning of my sentence oh, was Beach. I picked my daughter up oh. in Long Beach. Long Beach. I missed that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, she was at a seminar this weekend, and so I picked her up and uh, to bring her back here for the weekend because the, she was there mm-hmm. for Friday and Saturday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, something like that. Anyway, picked well, her up, and we uh, we grabbed uh, dinner while we were down there before we came home. And I had remembered there was a Bubba Gump down there and said, hey, I haven't been there in a long time. Let's go there. Uh, oh, yeah, that's good. So they're not particularly handy. What'd you have? I had grilled shrimp and uh, salmon, which salmon is salmon and shrimp. Yeah, yeah, with broccoli and I don't know what else was there, mm-hmm. um, but it was good. And uh, they shared a like shrimp basket, a shrimp sampler. So they had a variety of different types of breaded shrimps. Theirs were all fried, so they had like tempura and coconut shrimp and. I don't know. There's the big basket. Now, now you, you didn't say she. Who's the other part of they? They would be my wife and daughter. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Yeah. I assumed that, but. Yeah. So. Okay. We, so we were right across the street from the Aquarium of the Pacific. Is ah, where the, yeah. The Bubba Gump is. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Turned out good. Turned out real good. So. I bet. Anyway, shall we move along now from the software stuff? I've got uh, yeah. some Ger- German uh, input. He He's at Bloomberg, and he says, AirPods mm-hmm. to gain prominent hearing health features over the next few years. Well, I kind of knew that because they touch the body, and therefore they have the same potential that watch had uh, in terms of uh, detecting uh, whatever is sensible around the ears, right? Yeah. <laughs> and. So anyway, I, I uh, got some insight or some uh, article mentioned some things like temperature, heart rate, perspiration levels, and more physiological uh, detectors, biometrics, and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, that sounds like a repeat of mostly of stuff that uh, you you got from uh, the watch, but maybe maybe it's better if it's taken from the ear device uh these these aren't available yet but this is just presumed yeah something that's coming up in the later because he's referring to ming mm-hmm. chi ku i guess how you say it Quo. he's an industrial apple analyst yeah yeah Quo. he's a he yeah he uh, ming chi Quo has uh, uh sort of has the pulse of what's being built in the factories and so he's really good about like hey this is what they're building so in the next few months you should start to see this or that or the other um when yeah. he goes outside of that realm then he's less accurate but he seems to be pretty accurate about like you know hey this is in production in yeah you know, we're, somewhere. we're talking about the two two most credible leak sources for apple i think probably yeah <laughs> Ger- yeah german seems to have 
somebody inside of of Apple that and to be honest, I think Apple sometimes leaks stuff to him uh specifically so that he can share it with the world. Like they don't want to make an announcement, you know. Right. And the nice thing is is if they share it via him, if they change their mind, they never said anything, mm-hmm. you know. So they so it's, it's like oh, right. You know. That's right. So that, that's a deniable Yeah, so deniable sometimes leak, right? Sometimes I think they want to <laughs> like, you know, excuse me, float an idea. And so they'll test it and uh-huh. and have him, and then see what the comments are after he says something's happening. Or if they want to distract from some other news or want to, you know, sort of manage the news cycle, they will sometimes feed him something, I think, to get people talking about A, a B, or C as opposed to X, Y, and Z. So, you know, I think it's a mutually yeah. beneficial relationship. <laughs> so he's, he he uh-huh. sort of seems to act as a... Uh, as a uh, mouthpiece for apple in some senses um it's funny though because if you listen to what he says if you look at the actual language that he uses sometimes his language is you know uh, this is this is what i think is going to happen and, and that tends to imply that he's got a source other times he says you know he'll the the language is just slightly changed but it's it's more here's my assumption based on that you know, and so you you really have to pay attention to how he's phrasing things to get a feel for for uh, what's going to go on. Like he says, you know, if he says he believes Apple will do something, that tends to mean he's heard it, you know, from somebody. I believe yeah. this is going to happen. Whereas, you know, if he says, you know, I feel, then then it's more like, well, then that's him. That's not based on yeah. on a right. source. And he mixes the two back and forth. So you got to pay real close attention. But uh, you know it makes so, sense with the ear pods because the 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 skin in, in in your ear is much thinner, and so for testing a lot of stuff like the th- the the fabled ability to test the uh, for blood sugar without piercing the skin, almost makes yeah. more sense to do it in your ear than it does um, yeah. on your wrist. But I can't see somebody walking around all day with one of those stuffed in their ear, whereas they leave Absolutely. the watch they leave the watch on all day. Absolutely. You know, you know. Un- unless they're they're using them almost like a hearing aid, you know, and that's right. the only case where right. AirPods would have a, a long-term use, you know. Yeah, and maybe that's more their intent is that they want them to, you know, eventually the little stem will disappear completely and you just stick them in your ear and they are more, you know, they take on some hearing aid functionality. You know, they're selling, yeah. you know, they've cha- the law has changed and you can sell over-the-counter hearing aids now. I can see Apple right. saying, you know, hey, that's just built into ours. It's, that's a feature if you want it, right? Oh, well, anyone that uh, looks at this, uh, you've got to say that's coming. It's just it's just going to happen. The only question is when. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, I, if I were in the hearing aids business today, I would say either, uh, you know, get, get ready for a pretty lean future uh, because you're going to have a lot of competition from some big companies, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that a lot of the hearing aid companies have subsidiary companies that are pushing out, you know, cheaper versions right now. But, yeah, they're going to get pushed because, you know, they're selling their cheaper versions that are less capable than the subscription or the prescription ones that cost a lot more. And so yeah. um, I suspect that a lot of companies like Apple and, uh, well, you know, anybody who makes earbuds is going to got to be looking at that saying, well, if you're already doing noise cancellation, 
and you've got a microphone on there to hear what's outside, there's no reason to now not be able to adjust those sounds in different frequency yeah. ranges to help people hear. By the way, since I'm both a hearing aid user and an AirPod user, uh, the, one, the, the primary difference in the two uh, isn't necessarily the size at this point, but the fact that how do you seal out the, the sounds outside from outside your ear? Right. Uh, AirPods use a little, uh, the AirPods Pro, let's say, yeah. have these little cushions. Yeah, the little and, flange. And they're the only... They're the only AirPods that are that will stay in your ear uh, under most circumstances, mm -hmm. uh, unless you're just lucky and your ear happens to fit the standard AirPods. But yeah, uh, but in a in a professionally built hearing aid, that's always molded to the actual ear size, mm -hmm. and so that's the big step that's needed if if they're ever going to turn uh, AirPods into real hearing aids. Mm -hmm. uh, because well, you, if they're you, not they're not always molded to the ear, but they do have some that that like fit down in the ear canal even better than the AirPods Pro do, so that they're really in there yeah. and not going to come out. Right, but but they're basically blocking the the the, the sound path, uh, so that it has to come through the electronic device. Right. Yeah. And you're right. Right now, they only have one device that does that. Well, we shouldn't say that. They've got more than one device because there are the Beats products as well. And they sell Beats products oh. that also do that, that fit in the ear canal. Right. Uh, and those yeah. are those are Apple products. So, so it's not uh, exclusive. But, uh, but they're not custom fit. Right. That's the main difference. Right. And I think that's going to remain the difference between the over-the-counter ones and the uh, ones that you go get done by an audiologist because, uh, you know, that custom fitting is, is not easy to do. Although I think I shared with you, I had a, um, uh, a pair of headphones that I bought at one point in time that came with this moldable material that you basically, uh, heated up by putting them in, into hot water. And then, uh, and then they were like, like Play-Doh almost. And you squished yeah. them into your ear and they then molded, yeah. and they and then then when you took them out, you could snap in either an earplug or a headphone, and yeah. and so you could make custom uh, in-ear monitors basically, and they were not bad. Yeah, they're they're going to solve that problem. Yeah, they're going to definitely are going to solve that problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm so. trying to remember the name of the company that made those things. They still are available. I don't think they sell the headphones directly anymore, but you can buy the uh, the earplugs. They their their market was for people who um, work in loud environments or people who go out uh, shooting, you know, where there's loud bangs and stuff. And so, you know, a molded, custom yeah. molded earplug was something that you could wear for a long period of time and be comfortable. Yep. Yep. So. Anyway, let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, one thing I hadn't thought about, I, I had back at one time considered getting a uh, uh, an air, I'm sorry, a paper white uh, pad from uh, Kindle. I think it is. Uh, in addition to my my iPod. Mm -hmm. I have one. And you do. Yes. In well, addition anyway, to my my iPad. If you if you buy this uh, uh, screen protector, they call it, uh, but it has a paper feel to it, mm -hmm. then you you can get somewhat the same thing. Yep. Uh, 
and I think of something that I just might try. Now, I don't know that I do enough work, but it's cost the, the brand name version of these run anywhere between 30 to 45 bucks, it says. Yeah. So and you have not, one that cost cheap. about 35 bucks. You know how come I know that? I gave it Why? to you. <laughs> you gave. I gave you a, a, a paper-like screen protector for that very reason. I bought it when I had that iPad before I sold it to you, but then I didn't put it on because I had we had agreed that we were going to sell it. And so you got it. I gave it to you because it fits that size, that 12.9-inch iPad, and it gives you a paper surface. This is primarily designed for using your pencil on so that you feel like you're writing on paper. It's not on mine now. Well, I didn't. I don't know what you did with it. It wasn't on it when I gave it to you, but I gave you the the cover or the 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 thing. You've got one somewhere, probably somewhere in that office. Would <laughs> be my guess. Probably lost. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> anyway, there's a downside to it. They say your pencil tips will actually wear out substantially faster. Makes uh, sense. But you can get four of them for, tw for less than 20 bucks. Uh -huh. So new pencil tips. But, you know, but anyway, it does sound like a good thing if you're really going to be writing uh, a lot, you know, using your iPad in that manner. I, I don't use my pencil enough to justify it. So I'm not really saying that, that I'll need to get some of these. But, uh, you know, it does sound like for somebody who, who, uses their iPad in such a way that this is a pretty dang good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were so, um, a, a good deal. So, um, you know, like I said, I didn't, uh, I didn't get to try it because I bought it for that iPad and then didn't, then I didn't keep the iPad. But the idea yeah, anyway, seemed... Anyway, there's several brands, it says here, that one of them is called Paper-like, uh, is Moshi. And anyway, uh, they have some off brands on Amazon that are lower priced. So anyway, I haven't dug into it much, but uh, if they run 30 bucks, that's probably more than I would spend just to try it out. <laughs> I wish I had to yeah. find the one you sent me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing that they don't do, I mean, it's it they cut down on the glare from the glass, and so that in that sense, they're like the the paper white. What they don't do though is they don't um, they don't cut down on the or they they don't have the the contrast that the paper white has with the e ink display versus an LCD. So um, uh, you know, in that sense, they're well, a little bit different still. Yeah, yeah. Well, the contrast does matter. Especially for hard, hard to see guys like me. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and I don't know if you've ever held a paper white in your hand. It is probably. Oh, well, I love the lightness of it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably twenty percent of the weight of an iPad, uh, and of your big That's... iPad, it's even less than that. I mean, it's it's they're they feel like almost nothing in your hand. They're super light and easy to hold. So but, if you're but the biggest biggest is about ten inch diagonal, right? Um, I don't even know if they're that big, quite honestly. They have a 10-inch um, uh, uh, fire, but that's an LCD screen just like the iPad. That's not yeah, see, that much lighter. But the, my, the, the, the paper my, white is about is, 7 or 8 inches di diagonal. 
So it's smaller, but you can make the text any size you want, and you're just scrolling through it. You just have to flip the page more often if you go to bigger type. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, something that uh, I was not really aware of, that they was making it just for the iPad. And I guess I got one and didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's somewhere. I'm, I gave it to you as part okay, of the iPad, yeah. so. Um, you know what is it? I may I may have brought it separately at a different time. It may have I may have like gotten back home and realized I still had it and sent it to you or brought it out when I came out a different time. So, so you may not have gotten it right when you got the iPad. So, but uh, Mm. but yeah. Well, it might motivate me to clean this place out. (laughs) Go in search of, huh? So, well, Uh, um, let's let's. Pick one more thing. Um, I need to wrap it up a little bit today. I've got a uh, family member waiting for me, so semi-patiently. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, well, associated with that same one was an article. Yes, paper feel screen protectors for the iPad are good. So this one mm-hmm. kind of, oh, that's the same article. I was going to say, isn't that the one we just yeah. talked about? Yes, it yeah. is. Anyway, the, the last one I had here was uh, plans for about... USB-C on iPhone 15 could break the law. Uh, they're trying to mm-hmm. uh, nuance the German or German, the European the, standard. I yeah, guess. the yeah, and and it's but, funny that you know th- this article is uh, it's it's so speculative it's almost laughable. It's like why did you even bother writing this? Here's a law that Apple's going to have to comply with, and they might try to comply with it in a way that maybe isn't, you know, when you got two mites and a maybe in, a, in one sentence, uh, that, <laughs> that may be illegal in the eyes of the EU. And so there's, you know, they're, they're making assumptions about a phone that hasn't been released yet and how Apple might try to skirt the law. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can assume all you yeah. want until Apple actually releases the product. Now, is it beyond well, re- the realm of comprehension that Apple would look at the law and say, how can we comply with the law and still maximize our ability to sell custom cables and connectors? No, that's anyway, exactly what they I would put, try to do. I, I, <laughs> I put this uh, thing in here not for the article itself, but mostly because of the issue that we talked about earlier where I couldn't find a right. charger for my phone over at my daughter's house. Right. And uh, you can see they're talking about the iPhone 15, which is not released 15. yet, assuming that it's going yeah. to have USB-C. And that hasn't been announced yet either. That's the assumption. That's true. But it, you know, quite frankly, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'm not a big fan of the lightning connector. And, you know, I'm not tied to that in any way. And my... Um, uh, iPad is now USB-C, so um, I've got, you know, I don't know. I've got a mix of products yeah. right now, but it would be nice to just go to all one. So, But I've got a few charging stations set up, and I buy these, um, uh, like, usually they're Anchor uh, chargers that have, like, multiple USB ports out of it, and then I run one or two cables of each different kind out of it. So in, in several yeah. different places, I'll have, like, a lightning connector, co- uh, connector or two, a USB-C. Usually, I still have a micro USB attached to it because every once in a while, I've got some dumb device that requires that to be charged up. Um, I in in one place, I've got the the mini USB, which it's there's only two places I know they still use that dumb mini USB on the bottom of that Blue Yeti microphone, and on mm-hmm. Garmin GPS devices. 
and I've got a Garmin yeah. GPS device that needs to be updated every so often with uh, firmware updates. So I bring it in here into my office, and I plug it in, and I've got a, I've got the right cord so I can just plug it in and charge it up and don't have to go hunting for the dumb cord. And then lastly, the other thing that I usually have hanging off of this is a um, uh, charging puck for my watch so that I can charge oh. my watch up. Yeah. Okay. Let The last one that I had posted here, five laptops that are better value than the yeah. MacBook Air M2. Well, that's, first of all, assuming that that they Windows is okay with you. Yeah. Because these, by value, they just mean the cost. And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're not if you're not in tune with caring about that, you can yes get your needs for less money. But assuming your needs are not pro do not require processing power of significance, which is what most people's are, you know you can do all your text stuff just fine, and you can do that in fact on your phone if you want. You wouldn't even need it because mm -hmm. you can do it. You know, of course you can't. Well, you can't have a keyboard, but anyway. Yeah, you can. Uh, maybe you can. You can have, buy a Bluetooth keyboard, can. and you can type right on your phone. Okay. So anyway, mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's it's a it's kind of a non sequitur mm -hmm. here. You got uh, prices in the one thousand to two thousand range versus the M two, yeah. which I think was two thousand or something down here. Yeah, well, and I'll tell you right now, the one thing that they never count for on any of this stuff, other than the fact that, yeah, you have to switch to Windows, which I consider a downgrade, is that on all of these, you have to use an Intel processor, and that means that the amount of memory that you use is completely yeah. irrelevant because the way that they, that Windows and, and, and Mac OS use memory is different, especially on the new uh, M series chips. And so, right. Pe I would, pe people don't know how to assume what yeah. they need in that regard. Yeah. But but you see, even so, they do. I'm sorry, they do have an M uh, uh, MacBook Air M1 for a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, I don't know why that's not at the top of the list. Right. <laughs> frankly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that cheaper than? But that's almost. An, I mean, you look at their their premise too. Starting at eleven ninety nine, the base model with an eight core CPU, eight core GPU, eight gig of memory, and two fifty six RAM SSD uh, is isn't cheap. But most will, will want to upgrade to the next tier up. And I would say that first is a fa false statement to begin with. Most people don't. Most people buy the base unit. And they're perfectly happy with it. And that's going to be a faster computer that runs much longer on battery than anything that, that runs in Intel. Um, and I would say that you're absolutely right. The the older MacBook Air with the M1 in it, if, for $999, it's $200 cheaper. And if for most people, yeah. they're not going to know the difference between the M1 and the M2 in terms of using the computer. You know, it's right. it's so ridiculously faster than anybody needs that, you know, buy the cheaper one. And in fact, that same computer was on sale uh, when uh, Amazon had their, their summer blast, you know, back in, uh, or no, Christmas time, I guess. It was their Christmas, like, Black, Black Monday, Blue Monday, whatever they call it. Uh, yeah. Seven ninety nine. You could buy a brand new M1 MacBook Air yeah. for seven ninety nine. You know, and granted, you could buy an Intel machine probably for, you know, two ninety nine. But yep. it was night and day. That that M1 MacBook, that's a decade-long computer for you. 
and it's and yes, it's going to be right. it's going to be that fast and, and it's that much fast it's faster than the two thousand dollar laptops on the windows side um yep. e- even at the in the base level configuration so yeah i the whole premise of this article just irritates me because <laughs> you know they're, it, they're, it does it's 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 an ad for windows right that's all it is right and it's and what what it does is, is those who don't know will read this thing and go well why would i do that i can get a windows machine that's got more memory and more storage for less money and it's like because it's not as good you know it it's it's, right. it's it's it, the other machine is going to run better with less memory and less what, storage <laughs> and last what longer what this window or what this is targeting are are people who have uh, no windows because that's what they use in their office right you know and so they're afraid uh, of apple stuff that's for you know yeah. and i can understand that bias you don't want to learn something new yeah you know? the irony is is that if you've not used uh like if you're sw- switching from windows 7 to the current version which is windows 11 there's enough stuff changed that quite frankly if you switch to the mac you, you your learning curve would be about the same you know i mean it's it's less yeah. it's less you know moving from one version to the next but they move stuff around they change the way it works you know so it's like you really have to relearn it anyway you know yeah they're talking but I about get this a kick, kick out of these these comparisons as if they really matter yeah. yeah, they're looking at this Acer saying that it, uh, you know, it uh, was rocking 11 hours of battery life and the the Apple gets like 22. <laughs> you know? yeah. You're like, huh, <laughs> okay, so it's double the battery life. They don't tell you that, you know, they don't point that out. So, yeah, I, what they, what they, if there any comparison, I want to see it in a, in a spreadsheet format so that you can look at these things side by side and instantly see the pluses and minuses. Yeah. In fact, then it would highlight or put them in color, you know, red for really. Uh, yeah. Whoever wins in each, in each area. The problem is, is it's an apples and oranges comparison in a lot of cases, you know, That's true. like they're going to win yeah. with the amount of memory and they're going to win with the amount of storage and they're going to win with the, you know, they're going to somehow say that, you know, a, a, an Intel core I seven, is going to be faster or better somehow than a, uh, you know, an M2, <laughs> and and yeah, and, and literally that's laughable, you know, and and quite frankly, uh, you know, you're going to have you're going to see more memory constraints on a 16 gigabyte Core i7 than you are on an 8 megabyte M1 or M2 computer, you know. Absolutely. There at at this point in time, there's just no comparison. Yeah. There just is none. Yeah. Well, and uh, the storage, you know, yeah. in order to get a less expensive computer, they're buying cheaper uh, SSDs, the the memory there. Apple buys the fastest top of the line SSD that they can put their hands on. Uh, and so, you know, that they don't talk about like memory read write speeds or anything like that here, you know, and that Im- is impactful. You know, there's a Dell yeah. in here that they're saying is 11, you know, 1149. So it's almost the same price. It's 50 bucks cheaper. Gets seven hours and 43 minutes worth or 34 minutes of battery life. That's a third what the, what the Apple will get. Yeah. The, the paragraphs on bottom line get right to the point as to what they're trying to do. They're trying to scare people uh, and, and convince them that they'd save money. By you getting something that does way more than you, it says a beast of a machine. You don't require a beast of a machine. You can save yourself a lot of money. Yeah. See, that's that's their whole point. Yeah. 
I mean, the 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 M1 MacBook is nine ninety nine. It's cheaper than the other ones, the the PCs that they've got here. Sixteen and a half hours of battery life compared to seven or you know it, what was the highest one was like eleven. Um, yeah. You know, it's it. Yeah, I I don't know. It's yeah. Anyway, who, who, well, who's a laptop magazine? Okay, well, in order for them to exist, they have to review lots of laptops, which means most of them are either Chromebooks or right. or or Windows machines because there's, you know, only three or four Mac <laughs> laptops to talk about. And if you don't talk about those, then if that's all you're talking about, you don't have a whole lot to say, I guess, right? <laughs> so. well, well, they're they're worried about going out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got to support they got to support the people who are paying the mm-hmm. paying the for the articles, right? Ironically, yeah. right at the bottom, they have links to today's best Apple MacBook Air M2. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can view the deal at B&H Camera, Amazon, or directly from Apple. <laughs> That's what they're yeah. selling. And, of course, those, well, are, those are affiliate links, so they'll get paid. You know, they get a kickback when you buy those, those Apple computers from them. Yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead and have a great time with Jim? The author Ray here. And... It's, it's even better. At the bottom, the author. Here's his bio. Mark has spent 20 years headlining comedy shows around the country and made an appearance on ABC, MTV, Comedy Central, and Howard Stern. He's written about every topic imaginable from dating, family politics, social issues, and tech. In other words, he's a comedian, and that makes sense because this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> he got us to laugh, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Yeah. He succeeded. I get it now. Yeah. It makes sense. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Computer choices by comedians. So, yeah. anyway, thanks for joining us today on Generation Tech. We appreciate your listening, and we'll be back again next week. Love you, Dad. Talk to you later. Okay, Todd. Okay, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.